are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Just to be clear, you are blessed. Is that right? We are blessed. We talked about blessed last week and gave a definition that we would be recipients. Blessed is to be a recipient of God's mercy, of God's love, of God's goodness, of God's generosity, of God's provision. So that's, that's what it means to be blessed. Now you can be blessed and not be grateful. Those are two very different things. But being grateful or expressing gratitude is when I recognize that all of this good in my life is coming of a source other than myself. Somebody is watching over me. Somebody is pouring out all of this good into my life. And so we talk about blessed but being, you know, grateful is very different. So I've been asking myself over the last few weeks the question, what is the relationship between, between gratitude and joy? So what does is, what is joy come into the picture when we think about the fact that I live this very blessed life? Uh, I've got food on my table. Uh, I've got a roof over my head. I've got people who love me. I think about all that Jesus has done for me. God has given me the Holy Spirit to walk with me. All of these blessings, and I feel so grateful in my heart. So where does joy come into the picture? There's lots of verses in the Bible that's like the one I'm about to show you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. That says, rejoice always. Your life should be a life of joy and rejoicing. This is, this is what God wants for you. This is what God intends for you. I want you to always be rejoicing. There's always a reason to rejoice. Be joyful. Pray continually. But here's the gratitude part. And give thanks. Express your gratitude to God in all circumstances. Because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So it's often that we see this joyful life and this gratitude lumped together in Scripture. So what does that connection look like? So I've been digging around, and, um, and I found that psychologists have done studies over the years trying to understand the relationship between gratitude and joy. Some of these studies have kind of risen to the top and, and are greatly respected in the psychological world, okay? Studies reveal information like this. People who express gratitude on a regular basis, you ready for this? Sleep better. Some of you already just said, okay, I'm going to start expressing gratitude better. (laughs) Are physically healthier. These are studies done with large numbers of people over long periods of time. People who express gratitude on a regular basis sleep better. Are physically healthier. And you ready for this? And are more joyful. In fact, the researchers said we wrote down our assumptions going into the studies, and our assumptions were that people who are joyful are just more grateful. But we found the opposite to be true. It's actually reversed, it's the other way around. When we practice gratitude, that actually invites joy into our lives. And so joy is the result of living gratefully, according to psychologists. In fact, they said the people who experience the most joy in life are the people who are practicing gratitude on a daily basis. So I I read all of that, and I thought to myself, I I think what, what psychologists are telling us as a result of their science and their study 
is what the Scripture has been telling us for a couple of thousand years. In fact, uh, they're doing science. I'll do the math, okay? The math says in the Bible, if we are blessed, which we are, I've got all of this good stuff in my life. I've got a roof over my head. I've got food on my table. I've got people who love me. I've got Jesus pouring out His grace and mercy into me. I've got the Holy Spirit to walk with me every day. You know, the fact that I, I got out of bed this morning, that I woke up, that I can walk, that I took a warm shower, on and on and on, I'm blessed. When I add to that gratitude, I realize that comes from a source outside of me. This is God's goodness just being poured out, lavished all over me. When I'm grateful, the result is a joyful life. So, here's what I want to say to you today. It's not going to be hard to follow. never is. Christians have every reason in the world to be joyful. It amazes me that the Scriptures just assume that we are joyful people. Did you know that in the Bible, 400 times you find the words joy and rejoice? Do you know what Jesus said in John 15 verse 11? I tell you these things so that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be complete. Jesus says, my will for you is joy. I tell you these things so that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be complete. Christians have every reason in the world to be joyful. Now, you may struggle a bit and say, Rick, I just struggle to believe that I, that I deserve to be joyful. That's a true story for some people. There are others who say there is so much sorrow in the world, there's so much pain, there's so much suffering, that I feel like I need to identify with those who are suffering. I feel like I need to live my life in lament more than I need to live my life in joy. Well, it is true that we are called to suffer with those who suffer. But we are also called to be joyful. And so obviously the two can coexist. I'm going to say it again. So obviously the two can coexist. What it tells me, though, is that there is always joy. Always joy. And so I'm pretty anxious to share God's Word with you this morning. So grab a Bible and open it. And let me show you what I've been discovering in the Gospel of Luke chapter 10. Okay, I'm going to start with verse 17. Luke chapter 10. Let me give you a little context, okay? Jesus sends out 72 of his closest followers, 72 of them. And he sends them to places where he intends to visit. They're kind of like forerunners, preparing the way in a sense. He gives them very specific instruction. Number one, he says to them, pray for more workers, all right? It's that famous verse that we sometimes quote, the harvest is ripe, the workers are few, Pray that the Lord of harvest will send workers into the harvest fields. And then he says, you know, there's a sense of urgency here. Don't even pack a bag. And don't stop and talk a lot along the way. You've got to get going. This is important stuff. And then he kind of gives them even more specific instructions. Offer a blessing wherever you go. Eat whatever they set before you. Heal the sick. 
and declare the arrival of the kingdom of God. Now, you may face rejection along the way. And if you do, you've got to remember, they're not just rejecting you. They're rejecting me. And ultimately, they're rejecting the Father. And so the 72 go out, and they do what Jesus has called them to do, and then they come back. And that's where we pick up in verse 17, okay? So the 72 returned with what? Because that's the default setting of the Christian. Joy. And they said, Lord, I mean, it's, we're, we're so high right now, we can't come down. Even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, meaning Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. And to overcome all the power of the enemy, nothing will harm you. What are you saying to them is that the victory that will finally be completed on the cross, you are sharing in that power right now. Okay? However, he says, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice, find your joy Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. So I want you to read back up one slide. and let me, I want us to read that together. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So this time we'll really do it together. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. I, that, that's got to be in your mind when you leave here today, okay? But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Okay, here we go. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit... He was full of what? Because that's the default setting of the Christian. Full of the Holy Spirit said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. This message of the source of joy is being given to you. And then He turned to His disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. <laughs> For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it. That is the source of joy. And to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. This is God's Word for us. I've traveled over the years, the last 20 years, to third world countries on missions trips. And so I remember first it was Costa Rica. It was quite a culture shock for me. I'd never been really out of the country except to maybe Canada, um, Mexico maybe. Spending time there got my attention and from there it was to Peru and from there to Guatemala over and over and over and over again for many years. And then when I moved here, I began to travel to Southern Africa. Here's what's interesting. I would, I would meet people on those trips who, in my opinion, were facing challenging, difficult circumstances. They were facing things in their lives I have never, ever faced in my life. Some living in great, great poverty. Some dealing with situations I could not dream of dealing with. 
And even being with people here in the States, maybe going through really difficult illnesses or life struggles. And so over all of these years, I have walked away from people. And here's what I concluded. Their circumstances have nothing whatsoever to do with their joy. Nothing. I've walked away just thinking, I think they're more joyful than the people that I know back home. I think they're more joyful many times than, than I am. And it was apparent to me that their joy and their circumstances were not related in any way whatsoever. None. Would you say that's the case in your life? My circumstances and my joy have nothing to do with each other. They are not related, Pastor Rick. When the 72 come back, they're all excited. They're abuzz. We're so high, I don't know if we'll ever come down. Because even the demons are submitting to us in your name, Jesus. I mean, life is good. Can it get any better than it is right now? And Jesus challenges them. I don't think you should be looking to those circumstances as your source of joy. Because your circumstances are going to change. And we know for the disciples that would be the case for sure. And so I may say to you, how's, how's it going? I said all the time to people. Hey man, how's it going? And you may say, oh, life's good. Money's good. Relationships are good. I'm feeling good. And I'm looking good. Life's just good. And so I would say to you, so when that changes, not if that changes... Because it will change. The stock market is going to do what it does. Money's not always going to be good. People are going to get sick. Relationships are going to go through struggles. And you're not looking as good as you used to look. When that changes, then where's your joy? So I think it warrants a conversation about happiness and joy because there is a difference. So I heard someone recently say this, and I think it's helpful, at least to me, it might be helpful to you. Happiness is based on the happenings in our lives. Happiness is based on the happenings in our lives. So happiness is outside in. When things are happening like I like for them to happen on the outside, then that makes me feel happy inside. So happiness is based on all the happenings in my lives, and happiness is outside in. You with me? But joy is the opposite. Joy is inside out. Joy is within. And it, messed, it manifests, rather, itself on the outside, of course, and people realize, hey, that's a joyful guy. But its source comes from within. Not, not from the outside. So here's what I'm trying to say.
our circumstances are not the source of our joy. And if we live our lives wanting our circumstances to be the source of our joy, we're going to be terribly defeated in life. Because circumstances are not always joyful. Amen. Yeah. I remember when I was a, a kid, I went, to, I went to a Bible school. I, I said to my mama, uh, my mother, I said, Bruce, my neighbor, has invited me to the, to, the, to the Bible school at the Baptist church. Could I go? And she said, no, I think it'd be okay. We send missionaries to the Baptist too. I think it'll be <laughs> fine. She probably didn't say that, but I have a few Baptist friends sitting around that I want to needle. You know what they said on the first day of Bible school? If you will memorize all of the verses that we give you to memorize this week, you will win at the end of the week a six feet long candy bar. I love candy as a kid like I love it now. And, and I just could not begin. My, my imagination couldn't even take me. I, I tried to, how, how big of a chunk of chocolate is a candy bar that's as tall as a man? I mean, it was just, I had to have this candy bar. And so, motivated not by my love for God and His Word, but by the candy bar, I memorized all the Scriptures. I was the only kid in the Bible school who did. That tells you how much I love candy. And so finally on the last day, I recite every one of the verses, and they had to award me the candy bar six feet in length. And when they brought the candy bar out, it was, it was actually two, it was not quite six, it was like five feet. It was two yardsticks taped together overlapping. And then on top of the yardstick, they had taped a candy bar and then left the space of a candy bar, and then another candy bar, and then the space. About six candy bars was what it really was. And to cover their sin, they wrapped it in tinfoil. But I'm not bitter. I've let it go a long time ago. They'll stand before God, not me. And so, <laughs> and so it was more candy than I probably needed, but it was not the candy I was promised. But I have let it go. I want you to know. Even my dad said, I think they got one over on you, buddy. You know. When you deal with the Baptist, that's sometimes. <laughs> I love the Baptist. I'm just cutting up, you know. The only redeeming factor in this story for the people who did that to me, but I've let it go, is that that was 50 years ago. I think I was seven years old. And I still remember one of the lessons that they shared as a seven-year-old boy. And the lesson was about a little boy, I think his name was Harry. He wasn't happy, he was sad. And the reason he was sad was because he was looking for happiness and joy in all the wrong places. And he couldn't find it and he didn't know Jesus. And finally one day, Harry met Jesus and his whole life turned around and he became happy and not sad. So you should applaud for that little lesson right there. It's pretty good. But that, my friend, is where Jesus goes with his disciples. That's what this is about. We as Christians have every reason in the world to be joyful, but we cannot base our joy in our circumstances. And Jesus takes us to that place of saying, this is the foundation for your joy. Okay? So the source of our joy is in knowing that our names are written in heaven.
Is life bumpy along the way? It is bumpy along the way. Are there challenges and struggles? There are challenges and struggles. But in the end, we know who wins. We get it all. I've told you about when I was a boy, as a 19 years old, a young man, and I was far from God, and one Sunday night I go to church at my home church, and I go to the altar, and I knew, I've told you many times, that I would never have to pray that prayer again. And so, when I got up from the altar, I was just, I was so full of joy. I mean, I hugged every senior adult lady I could get my hands on, you know. And, and, and I remember we kind of migrated out of the sanctuary into the foyer and then out onto the steps. And I remember the pastor saying, I don't think I've told you this, the pastor said, I need to go back in and turn the lights out. And I grew up in that church. I said, oh, I'll, I'll turn them out for you. I go back into the church to turn the lights out so we can lock up. And I stood there in the sanctuary and I looked back up at that altar. I flipped the lights off and I just stood there in the dark. And I cried. I was so thankful. I was so full of joy for what Jesus had done for me. I felt born again. I felt forgiven. I felt new. I felt clean. I was so full of gratitude. Wow. See, this is this is where Jesus is in this story. Your source of joy is not when things are going good in life. When you're feeling like, hey, we're defeating the enemy like crazy. Your source of joy is in the fact that not only is God with you through those difficult times in life and those circumstances that are challenging, but in the end, your name is written in heaven. And in the end, you get it all. You win. So, the real cause for this continuous joy, Dr. Hal Cawthron rejoice in the Greek language is in the present imperative tense, which means it's a continuous way of life. It's a joy-filled life regardless of what's going on. And then Jesus prays this prayer of praise. Oh, Father, I love this, that you, you let the simple know this. It's not the people who rely on wisdom, but you've revealed this secret to just the simple and you, Lord, have allowed me to reveal you to these people and the joy of life to people. So let me just kind of bring it to a close here, okay? We have every reason in the world to be joyful people. We can't base our joy in our circumstances because they're going to change. We base our joy in the fact that our names are written in heaven. An author said, uh, I used to think that life kind of came in waves. There'd be a wave of joy, things are going well. Then there would be a wave of sorrow. Bad things happen. The author said recently, though, I've quit thinking that way. I see it more like two parallel tracks. So I'm very aware that God is just blessing me. I've got a roof over my head. I've got 
food on my table. I've got people who love me. I've got Jesus pouring His grace out into my life, doing all these things for me. The Holy Spirit walks with me, and I'm just very aware of all of this in my life and that it's coming from God. I'm so blessed, and therefore I'm full of joy. But, but there's this other track where there are challenges and there's struggles and people that I love are hurting and I feel sorrow. But that doesn't mean the joy went away. They coexist. There's always joy. And when the sorrows come, the joy is still there. Because I know that God is with me and that in the end, my name is written in heaven. When, when, when you say, what do you want me to do, Rick? I don't think I want to say to you, well, try to be more joyful, would you? <laughs> I think it's truly a saying, God, would you open my, my eyes and my heart to this mystery that Jesus prays and praises God for? That this truth, this reality has become known to the simple, not to those who rely on their wisdom. And that I have revealed the Father to them and the joy that He can bring to their lives. I think it's more about understanding. I've been looking to my circumstances for joy for years and years. God says it'll let you down. Rejoice in God. And the fact that your name is written in heaven. Father, would you open the eyes today? And I believe that even in these last few moments, you have been opening the eyes today of individuals. Helping them to come to understand this great truth. And helping them to come to a place of saying, I'll no longer look for joy in my circumstances but I'll turn to God. And the fact that He has my life and He will have me in the end. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.